0: you Wendy it's interesting I, I we hear that that psalm and that's a, the the psalmist in that situation is declaring his how faithful he is and I think it's interesting that I would love to get to the point where i can i i I, I don't know if I can always get to the point where I, I feel confident enough in that that feels like a big stretch, but what God tells us repeatedly is that in him we can have that trust that he vindicates us that he gives us his reassurance that we are faithful to him, that we can be blameless in front of him through what Jesus has done. And As we talk about transformation, we need to think about, uh, we're, we're going to be thinking about goals today, very specifically, what should we want? You know, as part of this transformation process, um, we're going to undertake this thing of we're going to set goals for ourselves, and when we're setting goals for ourselves, that's a difficult thing to do sometimes, because it, what, what, what should we want? You know, it's one thing to be like, okay to follow kind of the world's example of what we should aim for and 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 what seems to be presented to us anytime that we want to seek any kind of transformation, either like physically or vocationally or any of those things, that, that what we should want is stuff, right? That's what the advertising is telling you every day. All of the commercials, all of the pop-ups, they're saying that you will be happy if you have more stuff. Now, however you acquire that stuff, be it through actually having money or or monstrous debt doesn't really matter. That what is going to make you happy is is stuff and the accumulation of that stuff. And then on the other side, fame and admiration, having lots of people know who you are, even to the point of notoriety—not to be known for any specific thing or or any talent or any gift that you've given the world, but rather just to be known. That 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 desire to be known by more people, having more followers, having more attention, more likes, more that that in itself is something that we ought to aim for because that's going to bring us happiness, that we want to have... The the world will also say that success is something that we should aim, be aiming for, right? That we should well, that we should want to be successful, that we should want to be get to the top of whatever hill it is that we happen to be on, even if we don't know how we got there, that if we're on a hill, we should want to be at the top of the hill, that that's the only valuable thing to be. And that we should also want beauty. We should want to be our... Bodies and faces and should conform with whatever the conventional beauty of the time is. And I want to be really clear, none of these are necessarily bad, right? There's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with liking your stuff. There's nothing wrong with taking care of your stuff. It's not, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. There's nothing necessarily wrong with fame and being well-known. It's not a bad thing to have people know who you are. Being successful at your job, being successful at the things that you do isn't a bad thing. Being beautiful and, and, and desiring to be the best you can be, it's not a bad thing. Those are, but they're, Those are good things, but they're not God, right? And good things are fine and wonderful, but what we've found is that they're not going to be completely satisfying, that they're not going to make us happy. And, and we understand that as Christians, even if we might not understand what we should be aiming at in terms of setting goals, we understand that the, what the world has told us that we should be aiming for isn't going to make us happy. And the reason why they're not going to make us happy, the reason why it's not going to be ultimately satisfying is because all of these goals are ultimately about ourself. You know, we see that if you go to the Indigo just up the street, they have a massive self-help section, right? That I'm going to be the best me that I can be. And there's even pastors that will, that will, that will encourage you to go out and live your best life now, that the, that, that, that the end goal is self. Help me to be me so I can be the best me that I can be and that I get what I'm aiming for by being more me, right? Everything is, is this self-oriented transformation that even if we're going to be best, it's still primarily about us. And the goals that we are going to set individually have to be pointed in a different direction, if there's anything that the last 100 years of human history have taught us, is that, is that the orientation of us towards ourselves is destructive. The orient, our orientation towards, towards getting what we want and being into, uh, to who we are as individuals is not what we're aiming for, and it's not going to provide us with, with health and safety and happiness now and for eternity. And and because of this, I think what we can start to aim at when we look at goals is going to be is going to be most helpfully informed by Paul's words from First Corinthians twelve, and he says this. And if you want to go to First Corinthians twelve, this is where we're going to be hanging out most of the most of the time. Paul says this: there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, Paul writes this to the church at Corinth that was becoming very divided. There was different people who were who were working on their spiritual gifts, right? And some people said, I had... I have the gift of tongues, therefore I want to be the best tongue speaker that I can possibly be, right? And, and and everyone around me has to help me be the best tongue speaker I can possibly be, so that I can experience the Lord through the speaking of tongues. And another another person was saying, well, well, I have the gift of healing and I need to be the best healer that I could be. And 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 those who are healing are good, and those who are not healing are inferior, and and, and everything needs to be oriented around this kingdom of self where where I become the best healer that I can be that was even happening within the church People were understanding their own individual giftings as gifts for themselves. That their desire to get better, their desire to use the things that God had given them, was primarily oriented at myself and how I am differentiated from those people around me. That my gift makes me sets me apart from you and and makes us different. Where that's not what God was intending, and Paul is correcting this selfish, individualistic trait that exists within the church of Corinth when he says, like, wait a minute, guys, there's different kinds of service, same Lord, different kind of gifts, same God distributes them, and all of them, same God at work. He says, he continues, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit of message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another the interpretations of tongues all of these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines now, and so there's a, uh, I'm skipping over some parts in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. That's okay. Uh, you should read that stuff in the middle, but this is a little bit later on. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greatest, the greater gifts. And this is interesting, because remember, Paul is talking to people who are seeking their own, who are divided and are seeking their own way and their own f- fulfillment, even in desiring good things, right? They're desiring really good things, like I want to speak in tongues, I want to heal, I want to prophesy, I want to do all of those things, but they're all intricately tied into themselves as individuals. What Paul steps into is like, that's fine, Eager, eagerly desire the greater gifts, that's wonderful. But all y'alls, this is where English is really terrible because we don't have a collective you. You know, like it's a flaw in our language that we should have. used to be the collective uh, but uh, now Oh, well. <laughs> See, the King James was right. Um interesting. Okay, thank you. But all y'all's greatness, all y'all's success, all y'all's fulfillment is tied and connected together. And the fulfilled self, the individual is only fulfilled as we are connected to a greater body. We only find ourselves complete when we are connected to other people as we find our connection with individuals. So therefore, when we make goals, when we make goals spiritually about having our spiritual life grow, we are not only focused on me having an individual experience of God so I can go off into my closet and experience a revelation and go around shining the rest of the day. That's a good and it's a wonderful thing to do. But my experience of spiritual growth needs to be reflected in the way that I can help others see God too. If my experience of God just stops with me, then what is the good of it? It needs to be translated into sharing that with other people. The goal of our, if we're making financial goals, transformational financial goals, we don't just want to have a lot of money, we don't want, just want to have freedom and security, those are good things, but ultimately it's got to be aimed towards generosity, Right? That the ultimate goal of our financial lives shouldn't be merely security, but generosity. That we can share what we have. And what's interesting about that is there's not a number that tells you when you can afford to be generous. Right? We dictate that. In our physical lives, it's not just about me having a body that I like to look at when I look in the mirror, having clothes that fit the way I want to. Our physical lives end up being connected to having energy to share with other people, that we're disciplined in our bodies so that we have the energy and the resources to contribute to other people and to care for other people, that when we have, that in our vocational lives, in the work that we do, that we're not just finding things and feeling well used, that I get to do what I want to do. But that we also, and, and not just that we feel admired by other people for the things that we do, but that we, we're fulfilling our role in the body, that our work interconnects with the work of other people in order to bring about the world that God is bringing in this is bringing is doing in this city. That in our relational lives, we're not just this is, and this is fascinating in our day and age where we have very well cultivated groups around us right so you can prune your life to only contain people who think and act completely the way you do right so if someone disagrees with you and this is my generation and younger that have done this if someone disagrees with you they're a hater and preventing you from living your best life so they need to be pushed to the side right That's not, and I'm not saying that there's some people who aren't unhealthy and have bad boundaries and should be. That's all true. But the reality is we need to be surrounding ourselves with people who sharpen us, that we should practice getting along and seeing as brothers and sisters, people with whom we would have no shared interest on our own. We should be getting used to hanging out with people who are different than us, people who sharpen us, and and family that collectively walks with us. When we make goals as Christians, we don't make goals primarily for ourselves, we make goals that we hope will see their fulfillment and their consummation and their full realization in the life of the family and the body. I'm only as effective as me when I am connected with you, right? That's the way that these things work. So we make goals differently because of that. What, and I'm going to ask Zoe to come back up here again because she just played the violin and I'm going to get her to, to show us the violin again. So not to I'm not allowed to touch the violin. I know. We've already established. I'm not. I, so <laughs> Zoe has a very special violin that she uh, won the opportunity to use for a year. Um, so it is, uh, it is a violin that is on the more expensive side and that means no one who, like, didn't sign an agreement is allowed to touch it or doesn't have, like, a at least four years' training in violin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I've kept children alive, but obviously I'm going to break the violin. <laughs> but regardless, I don't want to touch the violin anyway because, in all honesty, it does scare me. It feels remarkably fragile. So, here's the deal. This is the unfortunate, this is what the world has taught us to believe about ourselves, okay? The world has taught us to believe that we are a violin. Each of us individually is a violin, right? That I am an instrument and I need to be tuned in, 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 to completeness in order that I can have my full fulfillment and that everyone can hear the song that I sing. That I. But the reality is we are not What God is telling us is that we are not all violins, that together we're violins, but individually we're. Is that a peg? Is that what that's called? That's called a peg, right? So, can you just. So, if I individually am a string, can you just play one string, like no note, just one open string? (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's not music, is it? That's just an A string. And as she transforms that A string from being out of tune to being in tune, do we have an in tune A now? Can you? Closer to A. Closer? Probably. Probably. Right? That A string is getting closer and closer to being the best A string that it could possibly be. But it still isn't music, right? Music only exists as that a string which is now well tuned interacts with the other things can you play whatever i don't know <laughs> we should have planned this out yes we should have why didn't you do that why didn't you, you just yeah. brought it <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true this this is, is co- this is completely my fault So that, Mary uh, had a little little twinkle, twinkle. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Ba, ba, black sheep. That's what I was thinking. A, B, C, D, yeah. Strange that all those songs have the same, yeah, anyway. But that piece of music isn't just one string, that's that's a whole bunch of things working in concert that's a, that's multiple strings multiple pegs uh the shape of the violin itself the f-hole the the what's the part with the, the, the that that part the bridge yeah all of those things working together in the hands of a player who then makes music right that music is all of us going together and And we all know that the true fulfillment of a violin isn't one violin playing by itself. The true fulfillment of a violin is taking its place in the orchestra. And it's then when we have a a full fulfillment that not just one instrument playing its best as it can, but, but all of the ingredients of this instrument combined with all of the ingredients of the other instruments working together. Thank you very much. We can go sit down now. You don't have to. No matter <laughs> that, that, it's only in the collective, it's only together, and it's only when we, it's so the, the it's only uh, as all of these things are combined together that we find our fulfillment. So, that ought to change the way that we make goals. We are not individually instruments designed for solo performance, we are pieces of an instrument designed to be played in the full orchestra of the kingdom of God. And this is a little bit countercultural. This 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 understanding that that we are called to be together, and our ultimate fulfillment is in the family, and in the community, and in the church, and in the body, rather than as individuals. That's a countercultural thing that that, that it takes us a little bit to wrap our heads around, and and it's okay. We're beating back against hundreds and hundreds of years of cultural history, but just as we go into communion. I want us to think about this, that this is how Jesus understood his own fulfillment. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I do need to say this. That as, Jesus, uh, as Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, the very next line he says, and now I'm going to show you the most excellent way, that if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If we have all financial success, in the world, but do not have love, we gain nothing. If I can go into my closet and have a direct experience of the revelation of God, but I don't have love for my neighbor, then it then it profits us nothing. If I experience every vocational fulfillment, if I attain the height of my profession and am of, of and, and am of service to the entire world, but don't have love for God and love for my neighbor, then it doesn't matter. We can have our best at life and live our best life now and have it not matter at all. What matters is how we interact with one another and how our work is then translated into love for the whole community. And if we want to get even more to brass tacks, to get away from this vague feeling of love that we're talking about, to say that, that Paul get, makes it quite clear that love is patient, If we are going to be Christians, this kind of thing needs to mark us. If we're going to pursue our goals, this kind of behavior needs to mark us. And I'm going to add this as an aside, and this is Dan speaking, not the Lord, but if someone is publicly claiming to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, no matter what they're doing, be it in the religious realm or the political realm, and their actions are not marked by this, it's fair for us to ask if they're truly Christian. It's fair for us to ask that question. Our goals find their consummation in love, and we see no clearer example of this in Jesus. That Jesus laid down his life and found his fulfillment in us. In John 17, Jesus is headed to the cross, and he's praying for his uh, and he's praying for his followers. And this is interesting because as we head to communion. We are reminded that, that, that Jesus exemplified this body thinking more than anyone. That Jesus didn't see the, the, the fulfillment of his mission as in him attaining all of the level of power and glory that can be had in this world. But rather he said this, My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' vision of why he was going to the cross, why he was here, and how his mission in this world was going to be fulfilled was not... solely in him being raised up, but also in through him being raised up, we being brought together as one body, that we finally achieve this unity that demonstrates to the world that we're different, that we're not concerned primarily just about ourselves, that we're not concerned primarily just about our own families, that we're not concerned primarily just about our own tribes but that we've been so filled up by the Holy Spirit that our circle of caring includes the entire world. That's what we've been called to. So as we come to this table, I would ask us to think about how our goals line up, not just with ourselves, but with the, but with the body and with the whole world. How are we seeking our fulfillment in in us being raised up, and how are we seeking our fulfillment in all of us together becoming what God has called us to be? How are our goals lining up with loving our neighbors as ourselves, with patience, with kindness, with keeping no records of wrongs, with, with not being easily angered? How is all of this working together? This, because when Jesus went to the cross, when He gave of His body and He gave of His blood and He gave of His life, He was expect He was doing that for all of us, not just for His own glorification, but that all of us would together be glorified in what He has done and what He is what, what He is doing. So I'd ask that as we come here that we would ask ourselves, are we living in a sacrificial manner as well? Are we are we holding on to things that are preventing us from, from truly becoming part of the body as we ought? And are we willing to trust God that our joy and our fulfillment is going to be found in him and in coming together with our brothers and sisters in the body as he planned? So let's...